0: Hi, and welcome to the Post-Acute Point of View, our discussion hub for healthcare technology in the out-of-hospital space. Here we talk about the latest news and views on trends and innovation that can impact the way post-acute care providers work. And we take a look at how technology can make a difference in today's changing healthcare landscape in both home-based and facility-based care organizations and the lives of the people they serve. Today, we hear from Naveen Gupta, Senior Vice President of Home and Hospice Division for Matrix Care, and his special guest. Let's dive in.
1: My name is Naveen Gupta. I am the Senior Vice President and Division Head for the Home and Hospice Division here at Matrix Care. Welcome again to another episode of the Matrix Care podcast, aka the post acute point of view. And this is the new name for our podcast. We have been at this for almost Two years, I believe, uh, roughly 25 episodes later, really, really happy to see that we have a new name that reflects the vision for this. And really, the podcast vision has always been to inform you of the latest trends and solutions. And we do it through really organic conversations with providers and industry experts. And I really want to encourage you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other place that you may be using uh, for your podcast. Today I am joined by a very, very special guest, Raj Sodi. Raj is the president of ResMed Software as a Service Business. The companies and market brands that you're familiar with, Brightree Matrix Can Healthcare first report into his organization. Previously, he led and was the president of Healthcare Informatics Group and played a played a really big role in, in ResMed's position. As now the world's leading connected health company, he joined 2012, and prior to that, he came to us from Ambian, a company which he led and co-founded for Resmed and Ambian. Raj worked in the financial services industry and worked on a number of SaaS solutions. With all that he has accomplished, uh, you know, you may be tempted to think he's in the latter part of his career, so to speak, but not so. In my opinion, he is young, youngish, and still charting the way in shaping. What was really done for sleep now to post-acute or often, as we refer to it, you know, internally uh, and also externally, as out of hospital. So, welcome, Raj.
2: Thanks, Naveen. Appreciate being here.
1: Raj, I, I remember uh, this was December 2018, uh, San Diego. This was dinner. It was a few months after the acquisition. It's hard to believe. It's, all, it's been almost two years now. And, you know, in our conversation, you started talking about your journey. So, talk to us a little bit. And it was it was an excellent, excellent story. Talk to us about your sort of the early formative years, the genesis of Ambient, and leading up to the ResMed acquisition.
2: Sure. Maybe, you know, I grew up on the East Coast of Canada, and, you know, there's limited opportunities, I think, in terms of selling locally. So you often have to think bigger than your local environment and think about you know, back in the back in the early 90s, exporting technology into markets that would take higher risk. And so, you know, I I, uh, spent a very um, short amount of time working for someone else in my early 20s, and then started a payment processing company. And you learn a lot about discipline and focus, but also just hard work to get customers uh, to understand your product and understanding a market and 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 how to grow a business and so i spent a lot of um, years in building payment processing solutions and that was a good place to come from especially coming into healthcare because it teaches you how to build. Scaled products, secured products, interop um, standards, security, such as PCI, and bringing that, which is, you know, into a lagging market in healthcare, but, you know, bringing the principles of how to build intelligent solutions and, or even how to, how to build a, uh, an interesting channel solution brought that into healthcare. But, uh, you know, I, I think the kind of transition point for me is when you're at a point in your life when you've built a series of skills. But I, I remember thinking that i wasn't applying them in a way that was helping anyone other than you know helping businesses which is important move Mm -hmm. money between people who wanted to pay them and and their bank accounts but i wasn't really helping my local community i wasn't helping people and so i wanted to do something meaningful and so it was back in in roughly 2009 and i remember thinking education or healthcare, are two sectors where i want to apply myself Mm -hmm. and so I think I was actually watching my um, kids struggle with this aftermarket education program, thinking it would be great if there was a coaching system that would observe their behavior and reinforce the good behavior and correct the bad behavior early so they wouldn't struggle so much. And, and you know, as a parent, you you, you were trying to do that. I thought, is that is that an applicable um, way of looking at how people struggle with their health care? And I think if you, I'm going to tell you a story that sounds like every digital health Um, company's um, mantra now but it's if you could you know my, my thinking back then was if you could inspect data that represented people's behavior if you could capture what their objectives were for their personal health if you could coach them contextually and correct course early and share with them the the outcomes both to themselves or those that were caring for them you create a tremendous amount, amount of value and so that was the notion for starting umbian so back in 2009 you know independent of a disease state said need to build a platform and i think if you choose a disease state you end up building a platform that's limited in its capability to engage with um the person or specific to that disease and so hired some some of the brightest um engineers and product leaders that i could find Um, built a platform that would ingest data that represented, um, you know, someone's behavior that would protect the data. So again, applying the principles from financial services would um, engage through voice text um, and email or interop um, through to third party systems. And then ultimately to drive, you know, with the purpose of driving outcomes. Parallel to building the platform looked at what diseases were emerging that were That had an obsolescence in technology that had a clear challenge for patients struggling to acclimate to to either a drug or a therapy um, that had clear market incentives where there was fraud waste and abuse but also um an incentive for for patients and providers to perform and sleep apnea stuck out where manufacturers were experimenting with data on board cpap machines where payers were looking to shift from attestation to real access to data that represented patient outcomes where patients were struggling with a complicated therapy to acclimate but those who did saw tremendous value in how it changed their lives and so i engaged with the major cpap manufacturers signed all four of them up um, into a platform that would collect the data and apply the platform technology and ultimately deployed a universal sleep platform called YouSleep and mm-hmm. took it to market in early 2012. And then we thought we were, we were engineers and not scientists, but we used kind of scientific principles on behavioral science and coaching to drive some of the engagement protocols that we had built into the software, but we wanted to test it in market. And the best way to do that was to find a, a customer. So we engaged with a large national DME. We ran a pilot which took patients who were, were roughly performing at a 40% adherence rate. And adherence in sleep is really a measurement by CMS of four hours per night, 21 days out of 30. Mm-hmm. On a, on, and you look at can a patient achieve that on a 21 day basis in the first 90 days of therapy. And so you're kind of checking with them and coaching them to try and achieve that, to achieve initial compliance for sleep therapy. And so we we ran a pilot base compliance was 40%. And through pure digital engagement with you sleep, we were able to lift that adherence rate to 70 plus percent, but also collapse the time under 30 days for a patient to achieve that 21 days out of 30. So we are caught. And so there was a We knew the platform worked and it hadn't been optimized yet and so that was a kind of you know it's a validation of putting a lot of thought into how to build an intelligent platform how to drive the outcome Um, and it was at that point that resmed engaged with us more formally in the spring of, of 2012 to to become part of resmed and so it was in july of of 2012 that we came formally inside of of ResMed.
1: Right, I know that's a that's a remarkable story. In three years, you know, going from sort of a, a hypothesis to really getting a validation in the market, and really bring bringing a solution to market, and and really getting the attention of ResMed. I know there was a lot more drama, in there there were obviously there were a lot of others that were that were interested in it and and finding a home in in, in ResMed. So that's that's a great story. It's inspirational, and so. And we'll get to SaaS in a moment. I certainly want to talk about SaaS. But prior to that, I think, you know, after the acquisition, really, it it helped ResMed shape this new sort of category king, you know, CPAP devices connected to the internet. And so when we talk about category kings, it's really a new category, whether it be, you know, you think of Uber or Netflix or Salesforce, um, that's what happened. You never really had, you know, an IoT or a cloud-connected device and Resmed was able to bring that, and obviously a lot of the technology that you worked on really powered that. So, so talk to us a little bit about that. That that certainly changed the landscape of the sleep business. And uh, I'm a huge fan, fan of HBR. I, you know, and I and I yeah. you know, probably joke about it and say that there's there's probably a you know a, a really great case study in here that that should be written. But you know, Raj, give us some insights, right? So here you've got you know you're coming into Resmed. Resmed is this incredible company. Obviously, lots more resources in there uh, has a good market share, and then something happens as a combination of that technology that that comes in and uh, the, the great devices. Uh, tell us what happened there.
2: Yeah, so I think and this gets to I, I what I now appreciate as a a strong ability to write a transformative strategy and execute on it, and you know we have repeated that. So we'll talk about. You know our iot network and the transformation of our sleep business and but we're you know we're also in the middle as we'll we'll get to i'm sure of a transformation of resmed towards out of hospital SaaS. but back to the you know the iot story you know we we had proven that there was power of liberating data from a device to the cloud and if that's a a, in adherence outcomes that's one way of looking at it but i think Mm -hmm. you know just to look at the fundamentals of if you're building a and and i guess if you look at the failures of many digital health companies it's the loss of access to the data the loss of participation of a of a person or a patient that diminishes the the value that you're trying to create um, outside of the device and so we looked at options for connectivity so we worked closely with the core resmed engineering team became you know part of an integrated team and said the data in order to create a reliance on data and uh creating value a sustained value in cloud-based solutions yes we need to have timely passive secure and always on data and that's what made us go from you know what was snap on modems as an option for our distribution channel to choose to purchase and activate to embedded cellular comms now obviously a patient has the choice to turn the device in airplane mode and that's at their own choice but um, what this allowed us to do was activate an entire you know every device that went out the door to start creating reliable pathway for the data where an hour after the patient finished their therapy for the night, mm-hmm. the data would arrive in our cloud and it would be subscribed to from a series of other systems. And those systems would create different value to the patient or to the provider, or to other upstream you know, referral sources or where a patient was getting alternate medical treatment. And so we created the network. We took a big leap in embedding cellular comms in a device, which was a COGS cost and to go to market. We also had to figure out how to globalize the solution in multiple markets, which had regulatory privacy considerations. Um, So we want, you know, we operate in over a hundred countries. So how are we going to stand up an IOT network across the globe? How are we going to make it simple for the patient? And then what solutions would we deploy? by market based on market conditions. And so um, we ended up, you know, largely deploying a, a set of solutions that included uh, clinical decision su- support and population management, patient engagement and interop. And that allowed our customers to activate the devices, scale their businesses, monitor volumes of patients, drive better patient engagement, but also drive a better patient experience through uh, a series of digital engagement tools, namely one called MyAir. And we, what we saw was a reduction in the cost of to serve a patient by roughly 59%. And, and the reason for that is that a patient that has digital engagement that can self-direct a respiratory therapist who can look across a, a population of patients and focus in on the patients that need support and know what what they need support for. Yes. Um, it, it costs less to serve them, but you also had patients self-directing and not phoning in, patients who are getting timely information. we're talking about a, a therapy they use at night when oftentimes you know there's no one available for them to get support. And so we saw a reduction in labor of 59%, and the natural adherence rates, like our first pilot, climbed to above 70%. -hmm. But those that were on our patient engagement app, that cohort, was roughly mid-80s in adherence rate. And this is a complicated therapy where you're putting a mask on your face that's blowing positive pressure down your airway to keep it open. And so patients struggle with that. They struggle with leak. They struggle with humidity. They struggle with fit. They comfort. They You know and 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 it often takes you know one to two weeks until you start to feel the real benefits that reinforced your commitment to therapy and so that first two weeks was so critical but we were able to show that these suite of digital tools allowed us to drive this reduction in cost Uh, so dealing with an economic equation but also to show that patients that were adherents had um, a, a, a higher chance of staying on therapy long term. That's good for the patient. It's also good for providers because they um, a lot of their margin comes from you know managing patients and the supplies they need long term. Yeah. Whereas it, you know less of it comes on the sale of the device.
1: You know, Raj, I think you know when you talk about healthcare, certainly you know lowering cost, you know, driving improved outcomes, right? So these patients, you know, they're managing a, a condition here but you know th- their ability to to do so in a way that reduces the chances of developing other conditions because they were not able to manage sleep really well you know you've got this this massive innovation in play and really just being able to ultimately demonstrate that you know people are 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 able to uh, and providers are are benefiting from the combination of of this innovation and technology that was happening so just looking at the sequence of stories so obviously the you know the genesis of ambient and, you know, how that helped transform sleep. Now, now, let's get to SaaS in a little bit, right? So, so SaaS, you know, grew in the last fiscal, grew by almost 30%, 29%, uh, north of, you know, um, $350 million in revenue. Now, you know, over 12% or so of ResMed overall business. How, how did the, the strategy shift, right? So from managing these, these chronic conditions, you know, we've got this connected health, to going out and building an out of hospital strategy. What what was sort of the, the thinking behind it initially?
2: I, I think it started with um, our board recognizing that we were beyond a med device company. We're a tech driven medical device company with a pedigree now in software um, engineering and management. And so I think it comes with, you know, you can't be a SaaS company unless you know how to innovate with software mm-hmm. technology. And I think we had proven that at scale um, with our digital health technologies. We had also proven that we could execute on a transformative strategy well as a team. And so, you know, back in 2015, we, we wrote a strategy around friction that existed with patients and loved ones trying to navigate in the post-acute space, you know, which providers were best for the conditions they were trying to treat, mm-hmm. um, how post-acute and acute collaborate with one another and are accountable to one another and how and and you know it's the same story it's you know how do we how do we manage more patients you know we've got a volume of patients landing in post acute we have providers that are struggling with staffing and scaling and the patients are getting a poor experience and the healthcare costs are rising so how do we take costs out drive yes. patient outcomes and drive a good patient experience the same three things we addressed for sleep therapy you know, are the same things that everyone's trying to address and post-acute. And the strategy that we, we focus on, you know, we manage, we, we understood DME because it's a channel we distribute yeah. through mm-hmm. for our sleep devices. And, and so we said DME has got a, a, a plays place for a, a, you know, I think it's roughly 35 million discharges um, come out of the hospital and 23 plus million of those on a yearly basis um, include coordination with DME. And so we knew that there was an, uh, you know, post-acute to DME had an overlap. We looked at the other eight eight to 10 million that are landing in other care settings, such as home health or skilled nursing or assisted living or rehab, you know, Mm in-home rehab. And we said, if you could coordinate between the post-acute networks and, you know, reduce the friction, if you could create a pathway, but for a patient to choose the provider to choose their next option for therapy to have a single view of their of their health um, so that their family can advocate for them in the best way and if you can allow providers to not burn out their staff and to have a better quality of life and if you could prove that there's a healthy economic value to the payer then you can start healing the the system that isn't sustainable today and so that was the that was the Initial strategy, and I'll talk about kind of where we're headed in heading yeah. in the future. Then we said, okay, let's let's start with Brightree. And so in 2016, you know, we had been partnered with Brightree, the ecosystem that I just described on the sleep side. We had been integrated with Brightree, and for us, it's not just about that a it's a strong business in its own right. We think we have the ability to accelerate it, but there's a strong cultural fit between how Brightree was uh, approaching patients and their customers, and how Resmed did, and so. In 2016, we acquired BrightTree and it was the largest acquisition for ResMed at 800 million million. Yep. Um, we have proven that we can, you know, over time, we've proven that, you know, Brightree has has um we've been able to accelerate it. We've enriched the integrations with Air Solutions. It's allowed providers to to continue to drive this economic equation by taking cost out um, through technology. But it also gave us a bridge into another segment of the market, which is home health. And in fact, that's where you and I met was around a conversation in home health. And so what we have is Brightree had an infancy of a home health solution. And it fit into the segments that we also wanted to expand into, which included home health and hospice and private duty and skilled nursing and assisted living and life plan communities. But Brightree had kind of an unscaled version of a home health platform. It led us to looking at how do we expand and allow us to go up market. And that's where we came across healthcare first. And so in July of 2018, we acquired healthcare first, merged it with the Brightree offering, which allowed us again to serve higher higher customers who were um, doing some of the consolidation in the market. But we were still missing private duty, you know, skilled nursing assisted living life plan communities and, and the stitching that goes across the portfolio mm-hmm. and, uh, matrix care was a, you know, a special and limited, um, kind of asset in the market. Uh, we had been engaged with the team at matrix care for you know, approximately 18 months before the acquisition, looking at partnering. And, um, in fact, I think they were looking at our portfolio and, and we were looking at their portfolio saying these two things together would create a tremendous, portfolio of post-acute assets and so um, fortunately in November we acquired of 2018 we acquired matrix care and that really rounded out what we felt were the necessary components mm-hmm. to drive you know that initial view of our strategy um and so so and that's what int- that's what got uh you and i connected
1: you know raj it's great i mean so it's been four years right 2016 Brightree. um you know 2018 healthcare first matrix care and now we've got this formidable sort of portfolio that we, that we have that cuts across the comp- complete continuum, right? From low acuity to high acuity, right? From all the way from personal care services to to palliative and hospice care, right? So you've got HME, DME, we've got infusion, certainly all of the senior care settings from senior living, whether it be independent or assisted living, uh, lifeline communities, skilled nursing, home health, like we've you know, we've built out this really, really robust portfolio and getting, you know, good traction now. So, so Raj, maybe you can help us now four years into this, uh, you know, good growth, good momentum. Uh, all, you know, we've got a lot of good assets in place. Um, certainly also on the services side, we've got, you know, revenue cycle and the caps business all complementing. Uh, how, how do you see, what is the vision and strategy? How do you see the next sort of five years playing out in, in our, sort of our SaaS group?
2: That's a great question. I, you know, I think the first thing is we've committed to, you know, integrating these platforms so that. You know, these transitions and, you know, you're, you're already seeing that with the relationship with Cerner and, you know, the ability to, to serve customers with um, that have multiple parts of their business that need infusion and home health and DME. And we and we can do that all through a ResMed SaaS portfolio, but integrating the data behind the scenes and integrating the patient experience behind the scenes is work that we're committed to finishing. And so we're, you know, we're well underway. We'll continue to invest there. Providers are also under pressure They're, you know, whether it's, you know, new, you know, unplanned pressures like COVID or, or uh, reimbursement pressures or just volume of patients and scaling pressures. Providers are looking to us to get better margin to reinvest those margins into their business and growing, um, dealing with regulatory change. And so they're constantly looking to us. So we'll also continue to invest in supporting our providers to be healthier and Healthy also means that the ability to attract and cement referral sources and to be more transparent with those referral sources. Not that they aren't, but the, presenting the data in a way that the referral sources understand how the patients they've referred have been have been cared for. And I think our providers stand out as those that um, can drive great outcomes for the patient and where the patient would also say that they've had a great experience. And so mm-hmm. our our next phase is to help providers become efficient to drive a a strong patient outcome, strong patient experience um, story for their referral sources, but also for the payer. So the payer recognizes that a well-treated patient is a patient that costs the payer and the the health system less. And so our journey will now be to invest in the analytics and and the provider performance tools to drive more affinity towards our provider networks to have payers recognize the, the value of a treated patient inside of a ResMed ecosystem yes. by a, a, a ResMed-driven um, provider network. Um, and by that, I mean technology-driven. And so that's our next phase, is that you know we, we will continue to build the patient engagement investments, the interop, the partnerships, and we'll continue to drive, but it, this will be a, a kind of a new order of, of, of how we demonstrate value to our customers, and that's by helping them grow their businesses, by helping position them well with referral sources, and by showing that on a Resmed um, platform, that that patients certainly um, have healthier outcomes.
1: You know, and I love that vision, Raj, because you know ultimately, as we are helping our providers really sort of succeed in this new. Um, Ecosystem, right, where there is uh, truly a, a narrowing of the referral network that's happening. So helping them, upstream referral providers don't want to work with multiple, you know, sort of downstream uh, agencies or providers. They want to work with a few, and they are really interested in having data and analytics as a feedback loop, right, to to prove that they can have uh, better outcomes, particularly if they are working with capitated payment models or they're working with other value-based reimbursements. So uh, I think I think just you know as you're as you 're talking about that it 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 absolutely resonates, and I know there are other broader problems that you know the post acute space is facing, right so the ability to handle higher acuity patients in lower cost settings right being right. preferred providers there is um labor challenges that they're happening, certainly the margins are are um you know if, if you look at fever service i I know at least in the in, in the home and hospice space it's about fifteen percent. And if you work with uh, other sort of managed uh, care programs, that margins gets further further depressed. I I know, Raj, you've got tremendous technology innovation background. Uh, Where do you see, I mean, even the play up with sleep, there was a lot of technology and innovation that really helped lower the cost. Where do you see some of the greatest opportunity? What sort of problems remain unsolved? And how do you see technology truly driving new innovations uh, to solve for them?
2: Yeah, i think you know it's probably sounds cliche when i when you know because people use it so often but you know technology looking for a problem is never never innovation and i i you know i firmly believe that sometimes you know you instinctively you can land on the right um solution or your team just instinctive by being in the domain for so long knows what to do but you often don't solve the problem correctly so i think you know from my perspective um, and I'll get to your, to your specifically to your question in a second, yeah. but I think context is you, you have to understand the market and how it's changing. So whether that's regulatory, privacy, reimbursement, it, whether it's you know consumer patient behavior, loved one, um, you know whether it's COVID um, and how digital solutions will um, be temporary or will will stay for a longer period of time. You know, those are conditions that we need to factor into how we innovate, I think, you know, un- you know, understanding also, but not just how the market, but how these macro changes impact how our customers, mm-hmm. our providers are going to have to respond and survive in the market. I think that's one part. Then if you look kind of bottom up, you say, do you really have a healthy understanding of your capabilities across the portfolio? And oftentimes in a scale, you know, small company, it's very easy to understand how to innovate quickly and people say, you know, yep. as you get larger, how do you how do you innovate at scale? And I think you really have to have your team across the special people, the special technology across your portfolio. And a good sense of what you can reuse and reapply but also what might not be ready to extend and so because often you slow yourself down by counting on you know technology that's not ready right and and the other parts are to to recognize where partners can fill innovation gaps or accelerate innovation and not having an attitude that it needs to be invented here and so Mm -hmm. you know having a strong sense of partners and and what role they can play and then the last part i'll say and this is kind of all ingredients to an um, intersection to creating value through innovation is understanding current technology because i think often we assume technology is out of reach Mm -hmm. and don't apply it but oftentimes we dream too big and nothing materializes and so there's a balance between what's current tech and usable and and what's future tech and something to consider later and so i think you have to have a, a team that understands the those two things and and where to bring them into the thinking and the strategy and so i think you look at all of that and i say those are and then you apply those to the conditions in the market today and what how we see the future um changing i think that um you know in terms of where we want to innovate i think data data plays a massive role in accelerating how we solve our customer problems how we drive efficiency and, and a good patient experience and a good example is you know some of the you know I've seen some of this at, at, at through matrix care as well as how we apply machine learning to to look at you know we have we have over we have close to a hundred million or approximately 100 million patients in our portfolio and behaviors and patterns in that data that help us treat and new patients better or existing patients better and yes. so applying applying data in a way that Solves, you know our customer need what's happening in the future of the market but also and this is taking some of our history from ResMed or some of my history in other in other industries and saying How do we how do we apply that in a way that that is compliant with how the market is expecting us to deploy the technology? And I, I'll, I'll give you an example of this. There's there's a big question mark on how AI is deployed in clinical decision support mm-hmm. and so we're seeing you know, innovation, not landing, you know, as quickly as it needs to, to serve patients better. That doesn't mean you can't apply AI. It just means you have to apply it in steps. And so it needs to, it needs to be applied in ways that don't drive patient risk, but do drive a better clinical decision. And so, yeah, I think what we're doing is saying, let's bring some of that new technology in ways that that help our customers serve patients better, and some of you know some of the experiments that we're running today with natural language processing and, and mm-hmm. interfaces to EMRs, or uh, how do we how we drive standardization and interop or how we drive acceleration in how we deploy user the user interface um, in a dynamic way rather than in a fixed way based on how a user wants to interact with the with the mm-hmm. data that's how we're gonna win i think and how we're gonna drive a better outcome for the portfolio but most of how how we help our providers drive efficiency and and scale and that's the part i worry about the most is it's a race between providers scaling and being healthy against changes in the market it's a race between reimbursement compression And providers being able to demonstrate what they already know, which is they deliver value. They just have to have the data that proves it. And so what you want to do is get to the health systems and, and have a partnership and trust between provider, health system and patient, um, where people are, we were, where we are fully transparent about, about the care that's being delivered, the care that's being received and the reimbursement that's taking place. I think we're going to center our innovation around. The trust and how to make sure that everyone is feeling supported in the network. Yeah, wow, Raj,
1: that's great. It's, you know, I I I see it as, you know, we're essentially removing the the friction that that exists, right, and enabling the data uh, to help drive, you know, whether whether it's you know better better clinical decisions or there's more than that. I think there is you know ability to interact with the systems in in a frictionless way. Uh, ability to solve for labor issues, whether it be through uh, predicting, you know, just caregiver satisfaction, or uh, and there's multiple dimensions to that. Um, it's really, really exciting, and I think there's uh, there's a lot really that can be done, and uh, you know, I'm just seeing that the incredible talent and people and passion within ResMed, and you know, all this, you know, all, all the you know the rest of the organizations part of ResMed with Brightree Healthcare First and Matrix Care. Uh, and really looking to solve and innovate and it just it just means that we've got uh just great excitement and great years ahead so raj i just want to thank you thank you for making the time i think this is really going to serve uh both internally and externally as we as we look forward so thank you again i no, appreciate
2: raj. it Naveen. It's great uh, great being here and i appreciate being able to work with People like you as well, who are passionate, same passion of getting to our, you know, we, we strive for 250 million lives affected by 225. SAS is a big part of that. Your part of the business is a big part of that. So I'm um, looking forward to innovating next to you.
0: Thank you again. That concludes the latest episode of the Post Acute Point of View from Matrix Care. We have a lot of guests and topics coming up that you won't want to miss. So be sure to subscribe. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, and if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss, leave us a review. To learn more about Matrix Care and our solutions and services, visit MatrixCare.com. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you for listening. Be well, and we'll see you next time.